Hey everybody, we're on right now. <laughs> I sort of thought that there was going to be the intro video uh, that played, but it didn't. As you can tell, we're a little rusty on the live thing uh, because we haven't been live for a few weeks, but we're back now. Myself, Curtis Childs, I'm the host. Uh, we're doing our question and answer shows. We've got our panel here. You can see Chelsea, co-writer with me on Swedenborg and Life, who's going to be part of that. And then to fill out the panel, we have a couple of super esteemed guests, our friends of the show. Uh, we have Dr. Dan Sinisvet and... Ooh, sorry, I bumped your microphone. And then Jonathan Rose. And you can see there, Dan Sinisvet is a professor, associate professor of philosophy. Jonathan Rose is series editor. I'm not even looking at your things. I've just remembered this. Is series editor of the, the New Century Edition <laughs> translation of Swedenborg's works. Um, and also a budding musician. Am I right? Like we, we budding. I, I, <laughs> like you're just thinking about launching a music career, uh, adding to your legacy. You you dropped an album. Is this true? I did. This is true. I'm a can late we, bloomer. Yeah. Can we get a shot? That, there's the, the 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 cover art. It, it, the album is called Clear Shining After Rain. You want to give us uh, half a sentence about it? Sure. It, this album aims to bring hope for the long-term future to people, who, whether they're going through a difficult time personally or going through a difficult time being in this world, like our whole world is going through a difficult time. Yeah. The clear shining after rain. And if if that's not a good enough offer for all of you at home, <laughs> we're going to throw in that Chelsea's on that album. Yeah. That's true. a couple of tracks. I've yes. heard them. And that, that whole, that that's a Swedenborgian album. Yeah, that's true, it is. I mean, that, that's a very, I've listened, I, I know how to pick that stuff out. I mean, there's there's Swedenborgian stuff in there. So there check is. that out if you, if you know how to use the internet. Um, and, all right, enough about that. Let's get to the questions. This show is a celebration of the audience and, and how great you guys are. And we want to address what's on your mind. So let's see what you have to say. If you're watching, type your questions in. We'll get them. We, we take live questions on this show, and then that's how we get our material. So first question today is, this is from Brenda on Facebook. Through all my life in my religious studies, I had never even heard of Swedenborg until stumbling on him via Curtis on YouTube. I was godsmacked, speechless, and now I can't get enough. I can't be the only one this has happened to. I've been studying different religions since I was a child and so close to some 50 years now, and I'm just now hearing the name of Emanuel Swedenborg. So if I could ask Curtis anything, it would be of that nature. Why am I, why is the world in general, just now hearing about him and his work? Which is the question anybody who's into Swedenborg asks themselves. Right? This, this is cool. You know, there are less cool things that get a lot more airtime than Swedenborg. <laughs> so, if you guys could, in a couple of sentences, succinctly wrap this up for us, why isn't Swedenborg bigger than he is? You want to start, Doctor Rose? Sure. I think he's the most influential unknown person. Uh, one thing that happened over the history of the reception of his works was that in the 19th century, a number of new religious movements were started that had at least pieces of his teachings that were incorporated into their thing that became much better known okay. than his original you know work uh, but they left his name off for obvious reasons you know because they weren't are we, that isn't what they were advertising are so. we naming names like what 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 religious oh uh, you know or, I'd rather not do we want to offend people okay you know i there's I, and i'm not an expert in this area but i understand there's a number of things in new thought or christian right. science or yeah. even the unification church and okay. even you know uh what's colloquial referred to as mormonism and so mm -hmm. on. you know there were yeah. a number of things that developed that had uh Swedenborg elements in them. Okay. Another piece that I would cite is that um, Swedenborg got very identified in the late 19th century with 
spiritism and seances mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. And then in the early 20th century, when spiritism was kind of debunked and booed off the stage and seen as just people rapping on the bottom of the table, yeah. Swedenborg kind of went out with the bathwater, so to speak. Okay. And, and and so for quite a while there, when there was a lot of materialism and existentialism in the 20th century, uh, Swedenborg kind of disappeared from view for a few decades, and now he's mm. on the rise again. Yeah, it's kind of like the darkness, the band, you know, after hair metal came and went, but they, they made this resurgence. We're trying to do that for Swedenborg. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Yeah, just, just to tack on to uh, what Dr. Rose said was, I mean, he was fairly well known toward the end of his life in Europe. And, yeah. and, and after he um, went to the spiritual world, he was well known. Uh, and he was well known in the United States, too, in the late 18th century, early 19th century. You have right. Emerson and you have New England transcendentalism and things like that. Um, but uh, so, so there's this, the new religious movements and spiritism, that, that's negative uh, from, from a sweet Morgan perspective. But there's also a tremendous growth in naturalism and materialism mm-hmm. in the late 19th century through the early 20th century. Uh, and it's, and it's, I mean, there's the sort of what they call the secularization thesis, which is as science and technology develop, people just turn away from religion and the spiritual world, and they're just more about being comfortable in, in the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been some uh, research done uh, that, that shows that that secularization thesis, even if it's got some truth to it, is not the whole truth. There was okay. actually a very intentional turning away from religion from about 1870 to 1930, Mm. uh, particularly among um, intellectuals and people who wanted to become professionals in journalism, in medicine, in education, uh, sociology, for example, is one discipline. Psychology was another one. And uh, you can see this in um, Christian Smith's book. It's called The Secular Revolution published by University of California Press, I think 2003. It's a great and, press. And um, <laughs> it very, uh, you know, so so you've got the the cultural elites who have the sort of commanding heights of, of what people are talking about and what's, if you want to put it this way, what's cool and what's yep. not, what's acceptable socially. Yes, yes and, we do have and, control of that. <laughs> intellectually <laughs> and what's not. And there's this massive turn away from anything spiritual, anything right. religious, and that you know that that really sinks a uh, worldview like Swedenborg, like Swedenborg right. which kind of caters to uh, people who are very educated in the first place, because you've got to be right. pretty educated just to just to get your way into that forest of terminology. The real like the salt in the wound is that yeah, Swedenborg was cooler. A century ago, <laughs> That's or right. whatever, more than a century ago, yeah, years ago. Chelsea, you have some thoughts about the Swedenborg and his obscurity? Oh, I just wonder, like, why? I mean, the main obvious reason why anybody's hearing about them now is because of the the internet and just the widespread, yeah. you know, connection that we can do live stream and YouTube. Just the, all that that whole phenomena is um, partly why, and I think maybe Swedenborg is like bubbling up to the surface. Um, as much as it is, I think I'm just conjecturing. It's just Do that it. it's it's well suited to fitting in a lot of different conversations. Yeah, you know, like it's sort mm. of 
and that's something that sort of just the global conversation through the internet is interested in. It's just sort yeah. of like, so before, it's sort of hard to, people like you said, he's sort of the most influential unknown person, is like because it's hard to take Swedenborg and just like make him this big, huge thing that everybody's going to move towards in terms of like, he's much more of like, uh, his ideas can resonate with a lot of different viewpoints. So it's right. hard to push him down into this like strict orthodoxy of something, you know, like it's more, he, yeah. his teachings themselves sort of push yeah. up against being characterized in one way or another, yeah. because right. like, even as we experience in our, in the audience of the show, people from so many different faith backgrounds can resonate with the ideas. And so I think that's suited to the kind of conversation around spirituality that we are interested in having today yeah. that people were maybe less interested in the past. Right. It doesn't, doesn't lend itself to the us and them kind of thing. Right. And yeah, in my humble experience being on the web, uh, trying to share Swedenborg with people, uh, the problem is that he's just a very, very uh, strange combination of flavors mm. that, that you're going to try to, he talks so much theology, Christian theology, Mm. He also tells you about these weird hats that spirits wear. You know, he's also going to go on and on about love and wisdom and light and heat. It just, it's very easy for him to rub people the wrong way. You just pick <laughs> what you don't like and then you can throw them out. You know, um, so I, and who is really going to be primed to have this like sort of Christian mindset, but I also, you know, want to talk about the spirits uh, of the of <laughs> earths and the universe, you know, it's just, <laughs> but I do agree that the conversation, I mean, things that, that Swedenborg was saying back in his day, all, all faiths can be a path to heaven, just the very, very universalist kind of stuff now is is more in vogue but the the answer is i don't know nobody the answer is nobody tried hard before to get him out there so we're, <laughs> we're trying hard I, so it's it a, I, I think we could left go. it to us to have that fun. yeah I, I think you know and a lot of people try you have helen keller was trying her heart out to get yeah. out there a lot of right. people yeah, really yeah. went for it and he's That's had true. his ups and downs but yeah maybe it's just about the tools the the web and, and the the zeitgeist if i haven't already time. used that word the yeah time. yeah the time. Zeitgeist. So, i feel like we could we could do the whole hour on this, but we should probably move. Yeah, after your, what I was going to say is after your last. <laughs> moment, we probably move Just forward. the um, there uh, another another phenomenon is even even though naturalism grew very strong and and there was a reaction to that by people going back to okay we we have to stick by the literal sense of the Bible, and of course if right. that 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 goes against kind of Swedenborg's view also. Um, and and so if you're not a kind of literalist and you you know if you don't believe these fundamental things, then you're a cult, and 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 uh, new church. I mean, you, you look at Kingdom of the Cults, which is a book, and you'll see yeah. Swedenborg is listed in there. And right. so he's too mystical to be a canonical scientist and philosopher. That's right. Right. And he's too critical of traditional Christian theology <laughs> to be one of us Protestants or Catholics. Yeah. Right. And then he's too spiritual to and 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 the followers have been too small to be considered mainstream. Yep. And so it's this weird little marginal right. thing. Um, that you know is just totally dependent upon the Lord, you know, seeing when th when the time is ripe. That's what I was trying yeah. to say. All that stuff. He's too too something for something. Yeah. yeah. And can I make one more very quick Please point? Do. That's just what I was going to say. He was very very famous in the late 
19th century, especially okay. in, in North America, uh, household name, everybody, you know, who, who's who. So if you study people from that time period, you bump into people who are reading Swedenborg. You know, he was okay. very influential yep. then, but it's really true that it, it dried up later. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Same now thing. let's go to Chelsea. <laughs> Just, it's sort of fun <laughs> that uh, it's... It leaves us to do a lot of fun detective work. Like it's kind of, since nobody's overtly saying has been like toting a Swedenborgian flag, really, because like you said, the sort of un, hard to categorize thing. It leaves a lot of interesting study to see where that influence has been. And yeah, you know, recently I was reading about Christian missionaries in in India in the you know after the East Indian uh, Company or whatever the British British East India yes, Company yeah. um, being there. Just somebody, this one guy who was then influential to sort of Christian missions and stuff at that time, was hugely influenced by Swedenborg and even wrote to the Swedenborg Society at the time saying, why aren't you guys here? You know, every, yeah. I'm hearing all this Christian stuff from everybody else, but why aren't you here? Because I love all these Swedenborg books that he just happened to find in somebody's library in England or something. Yeah. And so it's just you don't know where the where these... It's idea-based, and I think that's what's internet-friendly. Yeah. An idea-based thing, not not necessarily a label, label-based. Or like charisma-based. Thing. Or right. Or right. So. Well, the good news is that he never really spread that much, because otherwise <laughs> you'd have these like top-tier people coming in to be Swedenborgians, but we get to do it. That's right. <laughs> so, all right, let's take our next question. Uh, Mary. Can the bad spirits read our minds so as to mislead and sadden us and also cause us to recall our own bad memories oh, yeah. to make us miserable and depressed? Oh, yeah. And why would they want to do this? Mm. Oh, and so here gosh. you have, we said, we said that Swedenborg goes into stuff like this and man yeah. does it. You can ask a question like this of Swedenborg's material and you can get a specific answer on it based on his experiences. Um, and I can't wait to answer it, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first, just in case it's, it's better. Um, I'll throw a yeah. leading idea out there. Um, this thought was floating in my mind recently about the, um, you know, the influence of bad spirits, like, well, basically, like, yes, Swedenborg does say they can read our minds, they can mislead and sadden us, and they can call it, make us recall bad memories and mistakes we've made and everything, and they can, they do very well making us miserable and depressed, but an interesting, like, rule about the way that they affect us in Swedenborg's theology is that um, they they attack what we love. Mm -hmm. And so if you're feeling attacked, if you're feeling miserable about something and depressed and feeling like you're bringing up all these bad ideas, things, whatever, from your past, it's because you have this love inside of you that they are getting really upset yeah. about. And so it's like, it's one of the most interesting kind of tricks I've found for my own life is to realize if I'm feeling really hopeless about something in a moment, it's actually, in a weird sort of counterintuitive way, a sign that things are more hopeful than they seem Good. because there's this big love that's that's present there. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems a little bit hopeful, but that's yeah. fine. I, I was just going to say, um, yes, the... I mean, one of, one of the strengths of Swedenborg's spiritual experiences, I think, is that he enables you to understand what's going on in your own mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you, you can be hit by um, a memory of some bad thing that you did when you were 12 years old, and you feel really <laughs> guilty, did, guilty about, about that. <laughs> 
and you feel really guilty about it and you just think where did that come from why i you know that wasn't i wasn't even thinking about that out of the blue out of the blue exactly and and you know if it and if it really is getting after you um there's a there's an explanation for that it's it's not you doing it to yourself it actually is somebody else in the spiritual world who unfortunately really hates people and um you know, is trying to find a way to, to grind you down. Right. And um, that, uh, it, so there's they, spirits, but you have to just, it, it helps to know that they're actually people, they're minds, they're, they're forms of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And just like people here, when they're here on earth, hate other people and just love to find ways to, to crush them and humiliate them and, um, if they can just you know drain the life out of them, there are spiritual influences on us too that are actually trying to do the same thing. And um, it's kind of scary to read some of the things in the theological works about that because mm-hmm. it's it's as it. You, I, I think there's an image in there about um, the Lord sort of builds a kind of dam around your mind. And that there's this, you know, floodwaters of yeah. evil sort of pressing yeah. in upon it. But thank goodness for the angels and the Lord's power because it's just, it's it's held back and it's yeah. pretty controlled and it's you know some stuff leaks through. But that's just to you know help you give you something to work on and mm-hmm. and strengthen those loves and increase your spiritual resilience. Right. Yeah, yeah, and the the um, the why as to why I agree with what's being said, and and the as to why, one thing is that just like in this world, as as you were you were saying a moment ago, the um, you can go to a party. There's just certain people you may know who just they've got a hobby horse, they got a thing that they're negative, but they get onto their subject and they and they just want to feed off it. And they want other people to yeah. feed up. You know, they want to sort of, well, why don't we all complain about, you know, yeah. let's get into that mood. It's a very similar thing. Uh, the interesting wrinkle is that uh, Swedenborg, by and large, in most of his passages, says that those evil spirits are not conscious of us. Like they don't know personally who we are. Mm. Or they would really turn up the heat and try to try to take us down. Um but I think it's sort of like they wander into your house. They don't know you're there in your house, but they go, oh, here's something filthy. I love that. You know, and, and they just drag stuff out of your memory without realizing exactly, you know, it's not necessarily personalized, but they're very good at dragging up that memory, yeah. that random little thing that you feel just, it can be the smallest thing, you yeah. know, but they'll bring it up for decades and just, well, what about that thing? And yeah. go, go over that again. And then another question is, why would the Lord, you know, why would divine love and wisdom allow that to happen to us? It's, it's a purification process, or it can be, where stuff is brought. If you didn't know it was there, you couldn't work on it or get rid of it. So, it, we're, you know, he allows it to a point so that you can see what's going on inside yourself. And it's, a, to me, a pretty murky picture um, in terms of what's really going on with you in the spiritual world. Uh, and and do people know you're there? And because there's time, there, there's times when he says that there are spirits with us who. Okay, and this is like, why aren't people in this Swedenborg? It's because it's weird. <laughs> and here comes some more weird stuff. I guess, right? <laughs> there are spirits with you who think that they're you, and they think that they're you because otherwise they would attack you. 
You know, they think exactly. that you share things. So are there other evil spirits coming and attacking those spirits, you know, that think that they're you and that's how they're attacking you? I don't know. And Swedenborg does, he sometimes says, oh yeah, the spirits don't know who you are at all. Other times he'll describe like, particularly with the way spirits uh, worked on him. On him. Um, he will describe in, in very acute detail, he'll say, oh, these spirits were mentioning particular people and watching how I reacted. Is it, yeah. Okay, we'll talk right. about this person. Okay, <laughs> to find out who meant what to him so they could manipulate him, they would pull up different subjects. And so I wonder if you have this spectrum of uh, happy minds in this world to miserable minds. And is it like the people who are more assaulted by this kind of stuff on a regular basis, they're somehow more visible. And that's what, because you get to the point, we've done a couple of shows about people who have are actively hearing voices and oh, very yeah. clearly somebody knows they're there. Oh, and, yeah. they're, and I think it's like, it's a it's a gradient, you know. It's like right. there there's a level of awareness. Uh, there are there's sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's not. So those are some confusing things. I think there's a great truth in the you know people have probably seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, uh, at least a lot of people have, and there's that great image in there that as long as the ring is not on the finger, the, those creepy guys can't see the Nazgul you know can't see you yep. but you put it on and then all of a sudden you know they notice you and they're zooming in right. you know there's something about a certain kind of spiritual consciousness like Swedenborg had right. that I think brings them in in a more specific way and mm -hmm. so Swedenborg emphasizes that he had to have divine protection uh, yeah. you know in a more concrete way so I think it probably mm -hmm. does does vary but there's certain sort of things you can you know you put the ring on and all of a sudden you you appear right. in a different way to the more specifically yeah and i i want to say two things one is we got to move on because we've got I'll, I'll let you go but we're like we're not we're not quite there but we're moving towards half an hour gone and we've only yeah. done two questions but i want to say um that we did three episodes on this topic. One is called How to Deal with Evil Spirits. The other is called How to Free Your Mind from Hell. And the third is called The Lies Evil Spirits Tell Us. Look up and watch those because they have a lot. They go into much more detail about mm -hmm. your question. And then I'll let, let you finish it off. Oh, just, just two quick things. One is um, the, the weirdness factor for me is mitigated uh, the more I learn about the way things interact in the natural world. Okay. Um, in a very organic, this totally. this needs this, and that depends on that, and these systems are interdependent. And if you think from an ecological perspective, okay, and then transfer that to the conscious level or the spiritual level, mm. and it's the same thing that's going on. Actually, that all these things are actually organic in the sense that there are parts and aspects, and they're all interrelated and interconnected, and you. Mm -hmm. You one thing feeds off another, and sometimes it's kind of a vicious thing, and other times it's virtuous. Mm -hmm. And but it all is a ecosystem, so that's made it less weird for me. Um, the the other th thing that I find very helpful is so you get some depressing influence or thought or something like that that comes in to your mind, and I uh, one thing that I find helpful that that I've gotten from. Um, Swedenborg's theology is to not identify myself with it. Mm -hmm. To say, Let's go. no, I, I'm actually, I don't want to think about that. And I, that's not delightful. It's not something that is useful. Um, and it's not very helpful um, or charitable that I dwell on this and focus on this. So I'm actually going to 
put it away for now and turn my attention somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that, that we let you in there because it is true. If we were trying to describe nature to someone who had never seen nature, it would mm. be just, this is too stupid what and weird. Like, and, that's and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and even describe just human society to someone who doesn't, it, you, you, wouldn't, oh, yeah. you wouldn't buy it. Um, and I, I also do want to say <laughs> that, that um, yeah, it, what the game is, what I, what I seem to feel like the game is in the mind is hell is trying to get you to say, you're being made miserable by realities. You're just realizing a fact about yourself. Yeah. You're just realizing right. a fact about life. That's what's leading to this misery. Um, right. But I think that's a bunch of crap because right. I think that these are tailored messages. Somehow they're coming through. They're tailored messages to get particular reactions i mean spiritual spam as you said spiritual spam, spiritual spam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I i think it's that and, and so the good news is f- f- evil and falsity are married you know it, everything that's attacking you is got some false premise swedenborg had this great quote um uh, it was he was talking to some evil spirits and he's or angels were or something and they're like all those ideas that you have used are true but because you've used them to support a false premise they're all false you know hell will use things that seem to be factoids but they they string them together in this uh this monstrous way to try to paint a picture of reality to get you upset when that's not the actual the truth will set you free mm-hmm. it will not enslave you so i broke the rule and i talked more on that one okay. <laughs> can we move on can we please move on okay that is a great question florian what are your thoughts about spirit communications there are several books about it and i find many similarities to what swedenborg reported uh, so we didn't get a get let you get a last word in there, Chelsea. Do you want to kick this one off? Oh, sure. Here? What What are your thoughts about spirit communication? Spirit communications. Or have you or have you read any other like uh, what who are those guys? Kardec, um, those other kind of guys. I'm not very well read. I mean, other than sort of reading, you know, things on like near death.com, people's near death yeah. experiences or spiritual experiences that way. But um, I guess there's so many levels of. Uh, what you could mean, I guess, by spiritual communications sure. and or spirit communications, and um, certainly that would make sense if you're finding similarities to Swedenborg, because I think he uh, paints a very broad and yet detailed picture of the way that we are, our whole sense of self and mindset, mm-hmm. everything that goes on in our mind is one giant spirit spirit communication, yeah. um, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it's not just sort of totally, you know, um, a blur, like it's very specific yep. and we have, right. and we're all these unique individuals. And so there are spirits and angels on the other side. You know, I think of people, spirit communications, like angel guides or spirit guides mm-hmm. is what that brings to my mind. And I think that, um, you know, Swedenborg is clear that there is that, this level of support going on um, from angels and spirits for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody have more on that? I what I what it made me think of is um, first of all the question, which I suppose is true of any human interaction in this world as well, of what is the purpose on, on both parties' side on, on the side of both parties. You know what what's the purpose of the communication? So you don't know necessarily who's you know what the purpose is of of, of the communication that's coming in. Uh, the the people on that side are just like the people on this side. There's just all kinds of people, and Swedenborg ex- ex- explains that there are just millions and millions and millions and millions of spirits. You know, just from this planet, 55 million 
uh, new ones every year. You know, there's just right. like there's tons of them. And so there's a huge range, you know, unlimited range of different people. Some people are just, you know, sort of horsing around or, or something like that. Some people are really devious and some people are really have high, beautiful, amazing, altruistic goals. And, you know, they have different reasons for communicating. So trying to ascertain what the purpose is from the other end and then what your purpose is in listening to it or in engaging in the conversation. I think one reason that Swedenborg had the protection that he had was that he got really clear from the beginning about, you know, why he's doing, you know, this is not, mm. this is not for fun at a party or something like that. You know, he's got a purpose. He needs mm. to understand heaven and hell. He needs to describe those things to people, what the future life is like and all that. And so he's a man on a mission, you know, and he's going to find something out. And I think that protected him as opposed to the type of thing we've talked about sometimes before on the show of the kind of Ouija board thing where you're, oh, this is fascinating, you know, or yeah. whatever. But it's, you know, what's your purpose in doing that? You know, Certainly. is it entertainment? Yeah. Do you have a, are you seeking an answer? You know, so the, the purpose on both sides is an important factor. Yeah. I recently watched a TED Talk where there was a woman who uh, had a really horrible experience. She went to France as a teenager and was attacked by these two guys because she was very naive about uh, they're just like oh follow me over here you know mm. um, so the spiritual world is like you just can't go to a foreign city and not know what you're doing you know <laughs> so it's like just go simil on similar kind of thing of like there there are you could end up running to some very nice people you could run up uh, end up running into some not nice people so anyway did you have some some further uh, thoughts yeah um, because I. Uh, in philosophy class, one of the one of the worldviews or philosophies of life that we look at is um, the New Age, and of course, um, generally speaking, the New Age is pretty open to communication between people on this level and people on other levels or other dimensions. Um, so we actually look at some passages that where Swedenborg addresses this, mm -hmm. and he's he's quite open in in saying that you know if you really manage to quiet your body and um, you know quiet the the outside world really get rid of a lot of uh, stimulation from your five senses um, your consciousness changes I mean we, we know this through um, sensory deprivation experiments mm -hmm. in psychology and things like that too uh, that you know there are different aspects of your mind that you become aware of and that also open up and Swedenborg says that you know even in deep meditation and prayer um, we can sometimes appear in the spiritual world to spirits right. there, and, and they can um, appear to us. And um, it, he doesn't, he just is, that's descriptive. Um, uh, but then he has a, what I would call a normative or a sort of, you know, here's, here's the, the watch out for this part where he, you know, this is the part where he says, well, but really you should be really very, very careful about trying to contact people right. or trying to get in touch with, with spirits um, because it can, be, it can be dangerous, you can be unprepared. Um, if, if they communicate with you, that's different. Um, it can be different because um, sometimes uh, it's just unbidden and it can be a real gift. Um, yeah. It can happen in dreams, or it could happen um, even in kind of wakeful states. Um, but his, I think his overall point is pretty consistent with um, some teachings in Scripture about don't 
try to become master of consciousness and the universe and mm. get into different forms of magic and things like that because that you're headed down a bad road. I remember he has this he has this like I I think it's in his journal of spiritual experiences it says sometimes people who live apart from other people will occasionally hear yeah, the voices of spirits right. yeah. and that's fine as long as they so he he's he obviously there's a lot of different circumstances and his yeah. whole story was of spirit communication leading to what he believed was a uh, a very high good um and also he's describing the spiritual world in 1750s and 60s and 70s right. his spiritual world was very dynamic this the sphere of mm -hmm. the influ what kind of spirits could mm. get it who who was locked away who was out it was always changing and he said yeah. during his writing it changed you know is it a friendlier place now than it, is there more order there? Mm -hmm. I think about like Times Square in New York City in the 80s was very different than it right. is now. Is it a, is it a different <laughs> sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so that's a question. And, and I, I generally think, I generally assume a lot of good stuff is going on. People here talk about oh this this I, this contact with this spirit uh, is is helping. So I'm like that's probably good. It's probably your your so and so. I also though do see. I, I sort of feel like Swedenborg was a, a, a meta communication. He would not just communicate with spirits, but he would learn the wider tendencies. He and he said spirits lie. Like they 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 love to just talk like they know about things when they don't know about anything. Mm. He he'll describe things like people were in communities. Get, get brought into communities in the spiritual world and they think that they knew they've always known what they learned there even though the knowledge just came to them and I sometimes see echoes of that in other people's stuff so he, he'll even give you like a step back of here's why spiritual experiences feel the way they mm. do yeah something mm. you know on the um, uh, YouTube channel and also on the Heaven and Hell Facebook page we get a lot of people asking about um, you know, how can I communicate with spirits? Right. How do I communicate with the spirits that are with me? If they are all with me, why aren't I talking to them more often? Um, and uh, one of the main sort of exercises or things that I think is like in line with what Swedenborg is, um, his whole understanding of the way the spiritual world works is to pay attention to how you're feeling. And mm -hmm. that that like we our our thoughts and our feelings are both a part of the spiritual world. And we can, I think we can actually get more clarity about what kind of spirit communications we're having um, or associations, as you might call them, based on what feeling is dominating in you at one time. And then learning how to try to shift that feeling is really sort of relocating yourself to a new spiritual society that you're communicating with. Um, and, uh, you know, so paying attention to how that feeling is yeah. another way of... right. And I, I feel yeah. like it's it's um, sometimes this seems obscure the idea of there's spirit communication and and there's societies in your mind. Other times to me it's like that is as that is as clear as day in my mind. Like some like I just changed neighborhoods. Like or I just right. like some I just like walked by a conversation and this thing popped. In. Like sometimes to me it's like wow that is exactly oh, like yeah. he tells it. Um, so yeah. I, it goes back and forth. And the, she she had something really important. One tacking yeah. is just like I just recently <laughs> read one something in, in Divine Providence, Swedenborg talking about what inner enlightenment from the Lord is like. And he mm. says it's the first thing you sense upon hearing, you know, what somebody else is saying of whether it's true or not. The first oh, yeah. sense of it. Right. Like he's it's in, like and he does talk about how like the the heaven higher level of heaven, the celestial heaven is is all based on feeling and this. Yeah. You know, so it's you know, you can almost they don't even talk about things very much because they're they're just aware of the feeling of it. 
So yeah. it's a different way of communicating, but very real. I do. And well, that, that kind of applies to the previous question about, um, you know, evil spirits messing with you and that kind of thing. And what you were saying about what, what I know when I'm, regardless of the th- ideas that are triggering, when I'm feeling a t- under attack, that's the attack. Because yeah. the thoughts will try to cloud things of like, oh, there's no attack here. Mm, but, you know, right. So yeah. go ahead, Jonathan. Just one, one quick thing about the, back to the purpose that I was talking about before is that I thought I should specify what what I think a, a good purpose is, like in as a general yardstick, purpose beyond yourself. You're trying to heal somebody, you're counseling somebody, or you're trying to, you know, develop a plan for an organization right. that's moving forward. I say, you know, mm. like you've got some useful it's not you know just about you know self-centered things or particular things of the lower self like i'm craving this yeah you know i mm. want this you know that's it, it's it's the big picture stuff the thing that's good for the whole human race that kind of stuff is the highest purposes for that communication nice that's a good that's a good note to end on let's get to our next question because uh, we got to keep rolling here zeke what does swedenborg say about suicide um I want to. Can I say something first yes. about this one? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that much about it. Uh, we made a, a short video uh, about uh, su- do suicides go to hell? It was called, and it wasn't even really based on his stuff about suicide. It was based on his larger principles about what determines your s- eventual spiritual fate, uh, and that this is. Some people there are doctrines that will say you commit suicide, you go to hell. Right, that's it's as simple as that. But Swedenborg, you know, throughout his entire corpus, is saying where you go in the afterlife is based on your ruling love, the things you cultivate over a lifetime. It's not an act, one particular act that that sends you there or not sends you there. The only times I know of him talking about suicide in the spiritual experiences, he talks about someone who had killed himself with a knife, and they can't seem to throw the knife away in the in because it lingers with you for a long. That there are, it's not like a <clears throat> you're not going to get some kind of solution to your problems by killing yourself because those problems remain on the other side. But <clears throat> as far as I know, he doesn't say a lot. But do you guys have any anything further? Yeah. Well, I've, uh, he says that um, spirits uh, press in sometimes. Like the evil spirits will press in sometimes oh, right. and really try to get you to think about that. He had somebody right. who he hadn't even known. He figured it out later that it was a, um, a, a woman who was interested in him or something like that and then got so mad at him when he wasn't interested in her. And uh, she, after she died, she would obsess him. So every time he saw a knife, she would be like, "Stick it in yourself! Stick it in yourself!" Yes, you know. And and she, mm. he wouldn't do it. But it was very interesting that that those, those kind of thoughts. Again, he had to be clear that that's not coming from myself. You know, he right. didn't know at first where it right. was coming from. I think it even predated his spiritual experience to some extent that he would have this urge, and then he found out, oh, that's what that is, that yeah. weird thing. I get around a knife and I get weird, you know, because yeah. I get these thoughts and stuff. And I, I do believe sometimes they get so powerful that people are, you know, like losing free will or something like that, you yeah. know. So I think you can have compassion for people who go through that because it's not like they were sitting there, you know, for most people, calmly, rationally, and they decide mm. this is what I'm going to do. You know, I think it's something pressing in so hard. Right. Uh, wanted to take him down. And f- from my standpoint, it's sort of a stupidity on Hell's part because it's sort of like the vines that kill the tree they're climbing on. Like, yeah. well, you know, now you, <laughs> you know why. It seems dumb. You know, it's yeah. like self-defeating, like a virus that kills the host. And right, stuff. Right, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say that there are also um, natural causes for 
just like there are natural causes for people dying of heart attacks or mm-hmm. strokes or, or whatever, um, there are natural causes for people committing suicide too. I mean, there's, you know, uh, electrochemical imbalances in your brain. And no matter how hard you think positive thoughts, you just can't overcome them mm-hmm. yep. because you don't have the right chemistry in your body. And um, it's not something that you are morally responsible for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, they're just, if you can never figure it out, you go to a doctor and the doctors can't figure it out and you end up taking your own life. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the Lord is going to say, well, you should have passed that high school chemistry or college chemistry class and you could have, you know, yeah. he's not going to say that. Right. He's going to say, wow, that is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I have total mercy and love for you. Right. That's and, right. And once you're free of the body and the, the natural body, I should say, and you come into your spiritual body, which does not depend upon natural biochemistry, you'll be free of that stuff and then you'll be able to think rationally and and really be clear about what you love to do absolutely yeah i definitely feel like i appreciate swedenborg's perspective on understanding the way that the spiritual world influences the way our mind works to get uh, a kind of freedom from our own mind yeah which i think you know even even that whole the language around people committing suicide is this sense of intentionality and as if they're free and rational in their minds when they're making this choice to take their own life and it's like suicide we understand more and more is a product of could be biochemical you know um imbalances but also just different whatever levels of mental illness might be going on and so then that you know through swedenborg's understanding of the way the spiritual world works being able to understand that um you know these thoughts of wanting to end my own life is is not coming from me and they're probably coming from a source that is completely has my interests at the bottom and their yeah. own interests, um, you know, above that. And, um, and it's amazing. I feel like hearing about from people from so many different, um, walks of life that we all can share. Like I've heard people mention that, like you're walking along a subway and you just get the thought, Oh, jump down right mm. before the subway comes. Yeah, you yeah. know, like the number of people who probably have this like strange, sudden little impulse like where did that thought come from to like push that person in front of the you know to to realize we're actually a part of this su- super broad spiritual milieu of just like suggestions <laughs> that, that are for somebody right. else's game um is yeah. just could is helpful and i guess the one other thought along that those lines which i think you guys touched on anyway but is the way that swedenborg says how the things we are held accountable for our actions that we've done with rationality if we have impaired rationality there's a cushion there of of, all right we need to work through this and get to a greater understanding where then you can be rational and make you know choices so and and um, freedom too right 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 right, right. so i was listening to some interview uh, on the radio i forget now what it was but somebody was telling the interviewer that they're afraid of bridges and it's not because they're afraid of heights, but they're, as she described it, I'm so impulsive that I feel like I might just jump off. Like, right. where, where is that coming from? Okay, let's do our next question. This is Deborah. Why doesn't God make or allow himself to be known to us, or does he only exist in the way that it feels he exists in heaven, up there and not with us? Mm. Mm. So why is it all so cryptic? All right, you guys, you guys are going to come here, 
and tell me, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. There's God. God is like total love and God is yes. super present. And it, but, you know, if you had the day I had today, you know, mm. where, where's God? So, so I'm interested in, in what's the answer. This is to this a, question. I'm diving in again. <laughs> this is a. Uh, I feel like this is the fun train of thought that I have, where the the line I have comes from uh, an Indian writer, um, but it's God is within you as you mm-hmm. is the line, and then but that's a very um, Swedenborgian concept or something that rings true with what Swedenborg writes about how like the purpose of creation is to have these beings that feel to themselves to be completely their own unique person that has freedom and rationality. And so God loves to experience life through us. And, um, and so, so often that is when, so we feel like God isn't there because if we were aware of God's presence, we wouldn't feel free, but that that's part of the, um, the, the intentionality that God has around all of our existence is just getting to experience life as our own. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole show about that called, um, is it the infinite in the you? The infinite in you. Yes. Go check it out. Okay. Other answers. Well, I, I would just say that um, uh, I think there are times in life, uh, times in my own life, when it's felt like you know, God is up there somewhere and distant. And um, we actually had a question about how do I turn my spirit toward mm-hmm. God, or and and you know just the, the, how do I connect. And and one way is to read sacred scripture and try and listen for God and also um, try and feel God, too. And I find the Psalms are particularly good for that, as well mm-hmm. as the Gospels, um, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Um, could, there, there's more of a feeling there than it's just the ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, uh but there are other times too when, um, and I think Swedenborg attests to this more than more than me. But I think I have. There are times in my life, both good times, and crisis, um, when I have felt God right there with me. It's not just always oh, up in heaven, and He's sort of this big supervisor up there with the general managers. <laughs> you know, He's out in Irvine. California and you know here I am and on the east coast the and, flights are super expensive um, yes. you know and and he's he's got you know the the managers 10 levels down sort of yeah. keeping an eye on things right. and he's mine the general store no I, I mean he's really been there right with me and in surprising amazing ways I mean even to the point of I'm just going to turn to you Jonathan for a second of even going like this not a physical touch but just this sphere on my right shoulder, mm. really that specific. So, um, and it was completely unbidden by me. Although what was going through my mind was, this is such a hard time right now. Are mm. we ever going to get through? Mm. And and there was this sphere right on my right shoulder, and it was it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. Right shoulder correspondences. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, great. great so, so anyway, I you know there. Power of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, scripture, I think, a scriptural answer to this great question. It's such an awesome question and so fundamental to human existence, I think, to ponder this. Um, scripture says somewhere in Isaiah, I think, you are a God who hides yourself. 
Mm. Uh, I think that is so interesting, and and I think that is something. And it's pretty hard, you know, when when you're infinite, it's hard <laughs> to hide yourself. You know, it's a good trick, yeah. but somehow he he managed to hide himself. But when I look at Scripture, when I look at Jesus in the New Testament, when I look at the angels, they like Jesus knows who Nathaniel is before he sees him. You know, he's able to describe right. his character and everything from a distance. He knows what people are thinking. All the Pharisees, all the time he's calling them out. There's, you know, hey, you're thinking this. Or they're yeah. like, hey, you're thinking this. And the angels who come down, they know who's pregnant. They know what the baby's all about. They, just, you know, they have tremendous information about us. Mm -hmm. And so although I don't feel every day as I'm walking through my life like, oh, some divine presence, you know, mm -hmm. has, has the total file on me. Uh, I see that in Scripture, and there are times when I feel that, and when I realize it's fun to look in my life sometimes and see ways that I think the, the divine sense of humor is sort of winking at me, where there are certain <laughs> jokes that uh, happen that I'm the only one who knew that joke. You know what I mean? Like, like this happened, and then that person walked out, and then another person walked in and said that thing. And I'm the only person who knows those two things happened. And it was hilarious, that juxtaposition. And I'm the only... So it was a little joke just for me. Yeah. You know, there were little things like that and more significant things, like the very touching what you yeah. said about the shoulder and everything, that where you realize that the Lord is there. Years ago, I heard this guy. Uh, I, was, I was in the room with him, and he was telling this story about how he was in utter despair and he was walking through these woods by himself and he said to God, God, if you exist, I just need a sign. If you exist, just, you know, do something. I'm just desperate here. And he said, and I had no reason to disbelieve him, that he felt a tap on his shoulder as he's walking through the woods mm. and there was a cat on a branch that he walked underneath and the cat taps him on the shoulder while he's walking by <laughs> and he just about falls over, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, and I didn't have an experience one time like that when I was in a state of despair and just said, you know, Lord, is you know, are you there or something like that? And this bird came and banged on the window just again and again, bang, 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 for like an hour, bang, bang, bang. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. You know, I think there is something. The Lord doesn't want to scare us, and sometimes we're freer from him than we are to experience him or something yeah. like that uh, in the short run. But I think he's very gentle in the way that he brings his presence, you know, not, not too overwhelming in, into our lives. Yeah. From what I gather from Swedenborg, our current situation is sort of like if everybody was blindfolded and we're all walking through life and we're like, oh, I keep bumping into things. It's hard for me to know if this is really Jonathan I'm talking to. Why, you know, it just seems like we're missing a sense. Yeah, he says that the the way humanity was designed, we we're supposed to have this open mm. communication with heaven. It was supposed to be not like, here's God, here's God. You you felt God, um, and it can be it can be a searingly painful experience to be somebody who um, is affirmative toward the idea of God, and you are saying, I need help. Will you help me? And you don't get anything. That's right. And I've had that a decent yeah. number of times. Me too. Um, yeah. To the point where it's like. You hear about I'll hear about like a, you know a, a near death experiences and some or or somebody says I was an atheist and and but then I was finally like okay God if you're there and you get this and I'm like a little like I wish that I was like that high on the priority list you know because it's very very painful to be to not get there and there's some there's just some mechanical 
separation. And I think that it, everybody describes, you know, if you've had your near-death experience or you're a Swedenborg kind of guy, as soon as we're out of the physical thing, you're right there. You know, like, like okay, the the it's not a game, but the, the simulation or something is over. Now we can give you everything. Angels give you everything you need. God is right there. God is tangible. But for some reason, it's, it's very sparingly doled out in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no, like, warm, fuzzy ending point to that. But I do <laughs> want to say that there is a way to, like, um, duct tape a something together to get back there, I think. And it's through ideas that Swedenborg says... You know, this light that we're seeing from these lights is, t- is a living picture of God. You know, you, are, you people are images of God. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they're, they're, everything in here is somehow an image and likeness of God. We just don't quite know how to read it. And that part of Swedenborg's mission was, um, I'm going to tell you guys how to do it. And I'm, I just like barely start to piece things together. I was on vacation and I was walking up these dunes. And I saw this tree that was growing straight up. And to me, in that moment, it was very clear. The trunk is love, and the branches, these are like the ideas. And if the trunk is straight up, then these... So it just was very like, mm. this is alive. But other times, you don't see anything like that. So I do wonder if through a Swedenborg kind of thing, we can kind of, you know, you know kind of like, you know, people, people will like coat hanger their antenna. Like, we can get this communication that we lost. Yeah. And that hopefully with this new church, with this, this future of Swedenborg is predicting, we're going to move back into that communication with God. Um, we got to do more questions. Mm-hmm. Can I just have yes. one quick thing? Last time it turned out. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, is, there is a philosophical problem and debate right now in the philosophy of religion. It's called the problem of divine hiddenness. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a big debate between philosophers, the one side saying divine hiddenness counts in favor of atheism is so uh, interesting if, right you know right. Yeah. if we if we really if we can't see god if he doesn't show himself etc etc then there isn't one and that's why he, we you know and then there's the other side this is no he's there but he's there in a very sophisticated way mm-hmm. um that's the sort of philosophical point i want to make then there's what i would call the existential or the life point mm. which is um you know there's the well, why don't you show yourself to me? Um, which, yes, uh, but then there's also the, uh, I mean, it reminds me of when, um, you know, uh, uh, the time when when um, I had a problem with depression and I wondered why my wife was so cold to me. Yeah. And it was, it was she, she was <laughs> hidden to me, but she, uh-huh. but the, it was actually my issue, mm-hmm. not hers. Right. So That's there, good. there's that dynamic between us and God too. Right, That's right. Good. So we got to show ourselves uh, mm-hmm. to God as well. That's All right. right. Let's let's look at another one. This is from Zelda. Are there women and children angels? The Bible talks about strong men that were angels, not women. Um, okay. The hmm. question is clear. The answer is clear. Well, according to Swedenborg, <laughs> what is it? Are there are there a lady and children angels? Yes, angels. Swedenborg <laughs> says are right all X people. There's no separately created race of genderless beings up there. Right. Um, they're all X people, and so everybody who dies in this world, male, female, young, old, you know, they all roll into that other world. 
and particularly that children have a very high rate of going to have it. You know, mm-hmm. like Swedenborg says, there's a hundred percent below a certain <laughs> age kind of thing. And it's yeah, um, pretty decent. So yes, there, there's a whole massive part of heaven that's devoted to the children who died and became these amazing angels in the highest heaven and stuff that he talks about. And yes, there's he talks about male and female, and he sees lots and lots of angel women who are just amazing their wisdom is amazing and their their insight and everything that he talks to so yes they are and and some of it is a translation problem which is that in the greek the 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 word for angel is grammatically masculine but that doesn't necessarily mean that was biologically masculine you know Mm -hmm. so often Mm -hmm. the translator will put a masculine pronoun on an angel that might have been a fee, you know, or whatever. That's so right. it's true. There's sort of a, a, a tilt in there sometimes in the translation. But but in Swedenborg's heaven, and I'd like to go to his heaven. Yeah. You know, I think that's a more interesting heaven with a couple of different genders and some cute kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So, kids mm-hmm. aren't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we more expansion? Okay. That, that's good. Me? That's good, man. Um, let's go to the next question. Potter. I have Asperger's, a kind of autism. This has effects on me, negative and positive. Would I still have it in the spiritual world? How would that affect me when some of these quirks feel like me? That's mm. a great question, Potter. Because oh, so we could Pause. say, if somebody, you know, oh, like my, my leg doesn't work. Oh, your leg will work in heaven. Right. But, you know, what right. if someone says, wait a minute, this is not just a problem that's got to get fixed. You know, this is, this is a part of who I am. So what do we want to say mm. to Potter about I, that? Just this very yesterday evening, I watched the Temple Grandin movie again and was thinking about this very point about Temple Grandin was so shaped by her autism, you know what I mean? And she became this amazing person and everything. But would you say, would you take that autism away or something like that? I think I've thought before that our lives in this physical body are like pouring. The spirit is very malleable. And so in the flesh, we have kind of this, you pour this, uh, it's like the boards for pouring a foundation. So you set up the boards, you pour spirit in there, and then it gets set in concrete in a certain way. Then you build this whole spiritual house on top of it, and you take the boards away. Now, so the question is, is autism a board or is it part of the the concrete? I think what the Lord is particularly interested in is how we deal, because we've all got a a syndrome, even if it's your own idiosyncratic <laughs> thing or whatever, you know, we've all got something interesting. There are no normal people or something. And, and um, how, how do we bounce off of that thing and how do we work with it and how do we bless others? What compassion does it give us for others and, and so forth? I think it's an amazing time now where autism is being viewed in such a more positive Light of re- you know I've read things about how employers are getting much more interested because autistic people in the workplace are often extremely loyal and the attention to detail is amazing yeah. you know so seeing it more as a right. gift you know uh, rather than just well you're not exactly like me or something you know yeah. and and uh, trying to value that so I, I love that like the yeah. there's got to be a usefulness or a, mm-hmm. a, a reason or something that the Lord can make out of that. Uh, but it is a very interesting question. I would tend to think that your your basement would always have been poured in that autistic, you know, like that's part of what shaped you. But there's no limit to what can go on that 
foundation. On top of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a limitation. It's a blessing. Swedenborg also talks about how the light shines through the clouds. We're like the clouds. And then you, the Lord's light shines through. It creates this unbelievable rainbow. And so I think, you know, ought to, there's the, the Lord can shine through that. You know, yeah. no problem. No problem whatsoever. Right. So um, th those are the answers that come to mind. Can I just add one? Yeah. Well, two things, actually. Please. Um, one is uh, something that I've, I've really uh, gained from my wife, who um, uh, she's the director of student support at uh, Bernathan Church Elementary School. So she works with students who have special needs. And um, the important thing um, to remember is that, um, you know, we're, we're people first. We're, we're fundamentally our, our loves, our our thoughts, our intentions, our deeds, and those don't always um, express themselves in the natural world the way we would hope, most most mm -hmm. inwardly desire. Right. Um, and so, so people have incredible depths to them, and you might not ever know it uh, because either either the social circumstances just don't permit them to say or or do what they would like to do and i'm i'm presuming good things here um or there's something organic you know again brain chemistry or brain structure or neurons or whatever again it's just holding something back in there but that doesn't mean it's not in there mm -hmm. um and uh you know they're fascinating psychological case histories where something will happen to somebody and all of a sudden you know something something organic will change and then you find out oh there's there's all these things going on this this person was thinking this and feeling this and um so I, so so there's that thing to remember there's still a person there fundamentally and yeah. and um there's all sorts of things going on in there so i i wouldn't want to say well this is how I, this is how I am now, and I'm really associated with this thing and this label, and um, you know that that's it. Um, there's there's a lot more there, and and the other important thing is fundamentally it's what what you what a person wants, what 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 do you desire, um, and do you hope to work on some good thing? Uh, some people. I know are very quiet and withdrawn and more toward the introvert psychological spectrum and they find that that's actually quite useful. It's useful for them as an individual and it's useful for other people. Not mm -hmm. everybody, society wouldn't work if we were all extroverted, really, mm -hmm. really extroverted. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been some interesting books that come out lately now on the importance of having a balance of extroverts and introverts. and how teachers um, in American society in particular can cultivate introverts and, and uh, help them. Um, and so, it, you know, it depends on, on what that person wants and what they find useful. Uh, it could be that some people really struggle with uh, connecting to other people and they would like to do more of it and be more expressive and so on. And once they're freed of natural world limitations, that will come out, I bet, in the spiritual world. Right, absolutely. Chelsea, do you have any uh, any further thoughts? Um, 
mostly just echoes of what these guys have already said of just um, it seems like our, our time in this world is sort of to this vehicle of our figuring out who we are and what we want to be in a mm-hmm. like it seems like it's training a level of intention and you know, like intentionality about what we want to ar- identify ourselves with and what we want to yeah. choose not to so whatever your you know whatever hand you were dealt that sort of process seems like a parallel one and it brought to mind the question just before about children in heaven because um when we were working on the show children in heaven i think was the title i was so fascinated to hear about how um even children who didn't live to be rational or have any sort of sense of you know autonomy maybe in their life in this world and yet they are raised in the spiritual world and when they reach an age of rationality they were even though they they live in heaven they were then let down into their inherited evils Mm, that they had from their parents from their heredity and had to deal with that had to deal with this love of adultery and all this stuff that obviously they had no exposure to that in heaven but it was purposefully that they were let down into it to feel that impairment you know that part of them that they could then navigate that because it's so crucial to developing who you really are choosing to be, you know, in the Lord and your path with the Lord. And and the only other part is just sort of awe and wonder about the path that the Lord is leading all of us on. You yeah. know, like we yeah. always think we know who we are. And then 10 years down the world, you wouldn't recognize yourself. You could have never predicted that you'd be the person that you are then, you know, that yeah. you, you were before. And that's just going to continue. So it's like, yeah, and God's no got idea. a pretty good setup. Go no idea what our what's going to stay, what's, what, what, and what turns into what it corresponds to. and We have no idea. So that's a, that would be a good place to end it all. But I think that clock is like 16 minutes fast. So we're going to do one more question. Just <laughs> <laughs> because we have only gotten to a few, if you guys don't mind. Let's, let's take a look at, uh, at one more uh, just to fill that out. Um, but in the meantime, I did have a few thoughts on that question, okay. which is that um, we... Uh, I saw a documentary where a guy hit his head in a pool. This was a guy who was a very sports-oriented mm. gentleman, perhaps a jock you would call him, a certain kind of guy. He was going to catch a football in a pool, and he hit his head on the bottom of the pool, and he came out of that a fluent musician. Um, he could, right. he, he like his whole demeanor changed. He like started wearing different kinds of bracelets and stuff, and he like got really good at piano. He could like see these boxes in his head that let him play piano. Um, mm. Is that a there was a, there's another guy in that same documentary who was really really good at math, and he said everyone has this capability, but it's just latent. Um, I know Swedenborg talks about people coming into the spiritual world and they can speak much better than they ever mm-hmm. could before and they right. can think much more clearly. Yes, right. So what what is a generalized upgrade that everybody gets? What are the specific <laughs> upgrades? That, uh, we don't know. Um, and generally the, the problem is usually everyone telling each other, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's right with you. But as Swedenborg says, nobody, not even an angel, can know all the different ways that that the Lord leads people. So, mm-hmm. okay, can I uh, react also sure. to that? I just thought that was such an awesome question, and I wanted to express compassion for just about the difficult stuff in, involved with Aspergers and so on, um, and also just thinking generally about how the Lord brings us through our, our pain and suffering and is developing things in us. And I thought about the quirks that the writer expresses being part of themselves. You know mm-hmm. that that I think. Really, it's so much about our heart. If there's something that just drives you nuts and you never liked it, 
you know, I don't imagine the Lord, like, what would be the point? Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you wouldn't keep that. But if there's something that you really feel like, you know, no, I live inside this. this yeah, that's part me. of me. That's yeah. part of my unique thing. Yeah. yeah. I just think the Lord would, you know, that, that the Lord is in that you know, mm. or something, you know, right. that you would you would have that, that trait. And it sounds like all of us after we die have sort of... Um, you know, it's like you were saying, can't shake the knife and stuff. You know, like it's just you've got this habit or whatever. Right. And there's just, are you willing to let go of that? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, or or do you want, or are you keeping that? You know, and right. there's sort of a process that we go through like that. So perfect. Those are some additional thoughts. So interesting. Reminds me of like a, when a baby's born, they'll hold the same position that they did when they were in the womb for mm. a while until they can learn to extend their limbs. Mm. And I just feel like in, mm. in a way we're all just sort of cuddled up we don't really know we haven't right. fully developed but we're you can move. we're gonna you like expand in ways that we have always had mm. but didn't have the chance yet babies are cute okay, okay. last <laughs> very last question this one is gonna fly by how do you know what does it mean if you've seen and felt your silver cord oh okay. good because i don't know anything about this one uh from Swedenborg a, talks about cords, he, okay then, then hit me with it <laughs> no i mean i guess the first thing that jumps to mind is in one passage he talks about the, a, a cord that connects you to your spiritual home. I feel like. Am I? Yeah. Is this ringing bells? Yeah, a little okay. bit. Yep. Okay. Well, so the, we, we got our cord. <laughs> it's not going to help us with uh, the, this. This silver cord that you're talking about is a common occurrence in near-death experiences or, or other out-of-body experiences. That there's something attaching you to the body. That when you go out, you can sort of feel this cord. Um, hmm. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. Okay. Okay. No. Great. This is a good one. To end. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm curious because I don't. Um, right. Like I've heard Swedenborg talk about a cord that's connecting you to your spiritual home, but this is something that people talk about as if like it's what's connect rooting you in your physical body. Well, this is. I'm just going to say what I think yeah. I've oh, heard about. I remember this reading is, about this. This is yeah. like it connects you to your spirit, um, and when you're when you go like when you get to the end of it, you're drawn back in or those kinds of things. So. Uh, right. I don't know. This is a great one to end on because I don't know what that chord means. And what does Socrates say? <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom consists in admitting your own ignorance. That's it. So we're going to admit that pretty hard here. I have something. Oh, you ruined my action. Oh, sorry. Well, we can I'm ruining the thing. But the, um, I do remember reading Near-Death Experience now that you mentioned of this kind of bond that exists between the body and the spirit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is really amazing how the, like, you know, if you were going to, like, what would you use to attach your spirit to your body? <laughs> you know, don't they have that in Peter Pan where he loses his shadow? shadow. You're trying oh, to get that right. thing to right. right. Well, imagine if you lost part of your spirit, like, you super glue or gorilla glue, you know, what would you use to right. attach it? Uh, Swedenborg talks about the fact that... Um, he could feel this when he had the death experience, uh, near death experience. That he, I think is when he mentioned it. That he could feel this amazing attraction for you know, there's such a powerful attraction from the Lord that would that even if your body was you know blown to bits in a plane or something like that, the Lord could draw all those pieces together and make you make you whole and and pull that in mm -hmm. so it's interesting to think of something kind of going the other way attaching the spirit to the body mm -hmm. and and making it all attached swedenborg does say that our bodies are an image of our souls in the sense that if there's anything in the body that is not attached to your soul it dies it just dies mm. you know and mm -hmm. goes away so whatever's living is a picture of yourself so your soul is in that whole thing and so it's it, it and it reminds me you know it's interesting the umbilical cord 
you know, it seems like right. a spiritual umbilical right. cord or, or something like that. Uh, as for what does it mean if you've seen and felt it, in a general response, I, I think spiritual experiences are so cool, and it's great that the Lord showers these things on different people uh, to have had an experience. Um, I think still the what I feel moved to say is just the most important thing is 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 compassion and people helping each other and so on. There's been times in my life where I've had special experiences, and I felt like, oh well, now I'm. You know, like I'm singled out. I had this special experience, or you know, I'm, I'm special, or something like that. <laughs> well, Swedenborg sort of took me down a peg in one passage, where he said that uh, it's no great shakes to have a spiritual experience. Even Balaam's donkey had a spiritual experience. You know, <laughs> so I think he was having to deal with that himself because I think he was feeling some pride about. You know, he was having just these amazing spiritual experiences yeah. every day, and I think it was sort of like, well, right. hey, hold the phone. You know, I mean, that that's something that the Lord shares with all different kinds of people. I'm not saying yeah. it isn't great and very cool and very useful it's useful information especially when you share it with others uh in and of itself there's there's more than simply that that, that's that's needed he's like i'm i'm having these experiences are so awesome that someday they're going to make a low budget web show (laughs) 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 and i can't wait to see who's on okay chelsea you had another one last thought (laughs) yeah um i with the i mean how often do you get to think about these things um you know i haven't heard about the silver cord thing but as far as the like usefulness of um it reminds me of the the importance of our physical embodiment Mm -hmm. you know like i do think that there are spiritual traditions that have been and continue to be where they think it's all about getting out of your body you Mm -hmm. know like let's just ditch this natural world and you know get away from this physical earthly experience once i can have enough of that up here experience you know off in the ethers or something then that's enlightenment and um you know, and I would say that whatever this silver cord experience is, um, when I was speaking of experiences that we've had, like when I was young, I remember distinctly having this feeling like I was way too easily able to leave my body and that I had to get like this sense of like, you are going to get rooted down into this body and stay there. Like you need to, Hmm. it felt like a condensing of earth. And like my mind just had to go sort of dark. Like I had to sort of I don't know how old I might have been. I feel like it was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine or something like that. And um, just this distinct sense of like, this is going to feel heavy, but here it goes, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, and you're going to stay like this. Mm-hmm. And my reflection since then is just that, you know, the usefulness of like, we're speaking of like the hiddenness of God, like we're meant to forget, we're meant to, there's a usefulness to being here, having this very, you know, firm experience. Um, and, and so, so I don't know if I've experienced the silver cord thing, but if you're doing a whole lot of leaving your body, it makes sense that your body would be wanting to, for spiritual reasons, hold, hold you here, mm, you know, root you, root really you back great. down. We got work to do. Here. Here's a, here's a quick tie into cool. your show. Sure. <laughs> um, recently read a book, the second edition of on the internet mm. by the philosopher Hubert Dreyfus. Mm. And, um, he talks about, you know, are we going to be able to do a lot of disembodied things? Right, right. By, you know, Once you have virtual reality. Virtual, you know, second life, all this yeah, kind of stuff. Right, right. And he goes back to some continental philosophers, uh, Merleau-Ponty and, and Kierkegaard and some others, to talk about that sense of groundedness. And, um, and well, why do we have a body? And what are the advantages of having a body? Okay, there are limitations, but there are also advantages. 
And even if you could send smell over the internet and right. you know current you know tastes and, and some a other full things, body thing, yeah. and and he he says you know there there's still things that you would miss, um, and uh, so it really got me. And so he his he comes back around too. So you're still going to need to have at least some of the time real people next to real people <laughs> in RL uh, real life. Yep. And you know, right next to each other, doing things with their bodies, and 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 um, uh, it just sent me back to a string of passages in Swedenborg where he talks about the spiritual body and how different that is from some other um, philosophers, particularly Christian philosophers, who do tend to a more what you might call a Platonic view of well, we're just going to be these disembodied minds. Mm-hmm. And that'll be great because we won't have to deal with the body. Um, and Swedenborg just, I, you know, I double-checked and went to the Latin and, no, it really is spiritual body. Right. You know, you're going to have right. a spiritual body. Like you said, it's going to be an upgrade. It's going to be work much That's better. Right. You know. And it's a rooting thing. Like but, it roots us in yeah, the spiritual yeah, world yeah. as but well. It, but it know? really is a body. I mean, it's a human mm-hmm. body, and a human body corresponds with all these other things and the grand man of heaven and all this. So, but it... It's one of these interesting, mm. unique things that we're we're now in our postmodern <laughs> way, sort of playing around with yes. kind of disembodiment to a certain extent, which is kind of spiritual. But then we also do need our bodies. So, mm-hmm. so you tuned in, and what you got was a, a confirmation that it's good to have a body. <laughs> it's good that we're walking in these things. So if you enjoyed that as much as we did, then please like this video and subscribe uh, because that's just the right thing to do. Well, it's good for us anyway if you do that. And since we're not getting any checks cut from the like human body society, we, we need donations. So check out our video. This is a little bit of uh, why, what we do and, and why we need your support. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. That's our show for this week. I want to thank the whole panel. It was awesome to to get to speak with you and hear what you had to say. It was enlightening to me to just to be here. And I want to thank the audience because... Uh, just hearing your questions actually teaches me because this is oh yeah i never really did think about that oh i'm learning from that so so that's cool everything is cool we hope you'll join us next week we're going to be looking at the end times and jesus christ and is the world about to end don't you want to know the answer we'll tell you next monday we'll see you then